prayer leading into action. We hope that the members of the church and really anyone else who's listening along finds this podcast useful as they grow in their faith in Christ. As always, this podcast is an extension of the ministry that we already do here at Cornerstone Wirral in order to encourage you and equip you as members of the church while you're on mission for Jesus in the world around you. So you're invited into the conversation with Josh and I as we discuss relevant and current topics to equip the church, as well as share stories that will encourage you as you step into all that God has before you. So Josh, reflecting back over uh, the, the first few sermons that we had, there was obviously a lot of emotion and stuff going on in, in your heart and in your mind as you were uh, preaching on that first Sunday in Nehemiah. Are you able to share just a little bit about what was going on there? I think um, upon reflection, I don't think I quite realized or processed lots of stuff that were going on, how much of a burden it was upon me until the Sunday morning. I think there's that sense, isn't there, that we all navigate through life and we navigate through uh, our weeks and sometimes you don't get the time to reflect and process and I think Sunday mornings you might not notice but Sunday mornings I tend to come into church quite early and just prep and pray and think about the day and there's a very quiet stillness around the church uh, so I think over the morning things were really I was feeling really burdened for stuff I think I felt really burdened for stuff nationally um, just as you reflect over our nation and what's going on and the state of the church and the amount of lost people just feel so burdened for our country, really. Just broken by the lostness of the lost and then the, the need of the gospel to go out and the transformation of the Holy Spirit just just weighs so heavy on me. I think about our region, likewise, and just the needs around it. And I, I, yeah, I use that phrase that for Nehemiah, old news became new in his heart again. And I think, I think the old news, which I already knew, of the, of the need across our region. I think the Lord made it new again. And yeah, it was, was breaking my heart there in that sense. I think that's probably a lot of what was behind it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a, a renewing of those old things being made new as we as we walk around our own streets perhaps um, and just gaze upon the the homes that we we know are in darkness that that don't know Christ and Actually, uh, a renewing of that p- passion, that compassion, that that longing to see them one for Jesus. Um, I'm looking forward to to Nehemiah catalyzing, God willing, uh, a real desire for that and seeing that as we particularly seek to to make Jesus known, multiply gospel communities across the region, plant churches in those areas of darkness. Um, I think there's going to be different elements of of that 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 tension in people's hearts. Yeah, I think we what we see straight at the start of Nehemiah. Nehemiah kind of starts in the pits. It starts in the crisis, and I think I think we live in such a such a world where it creates a veneer of life. You know, it's the Instagram story of perfection and look how perfect my home is and my life is and this walk was with my dog and look how amazing my kids are, perfectly lined up for this picture and they sit like this all day, obviously. And you know, my house is always clean and uh, it's just all of these things, isn't it? We live we live in this veneer, and actually. As the church of Jesus Christ, we, we, we can actually, because of the gospel, navigate the crisis with hopefulness, not despair. So in the world, the world can't do that. The world has to live in the bubble of the veneer to exist, uh, or it leads to despair. They can't navigate the tension. Whereas as Christians, we know in Romans 8, it says that all of creation is groaning uh, with the longings 
of restoration. And so we, we experience that groaning, that longing uh, along with creation for the return of Jesus, the restoration of all things. But, but I often, often think as Christians, we, we tend to, uh, almost deny the reality or we just don't think about it enough. And so I think Nehemiah helps us begin in the crisis, but not with hopelessness and despair, but with hopefulness and joy in the midst of it. And I think what Nehemiah is doing is that it's the first, first response to that crisis is to pray. Uh, we can't do anything to change that. We need the Lord to do that. And so we want to be those who come as servants. Uh, under him humbly praying for him to use us and to help us be part of that transformation yeah yeah that, that's really helpful isn't it that's really helpful in the in the last episode you you kind of said sometimes as you prepare to preach uh, whatever is going on in the week around you whether it's a it's a heavy week like you've just spoken of or whether it's a somewhat a, a normal week in a normal passage uh, but you you end up having so much content so many things that could be said um, but then narrowing down on what you believe God is telling you to say uh, and to share with the church. How do you manage to, to give up? How do you manage to, and it is giving up, it's setting aside, it's putting things that you maybe want to say, but you can't say. How do you, how do you get rid of some of that content and set it aside? And, and what would maybe be just that one more thing that you would like to add that you haven't already had a chance to say? Well, sometimes I don't cut the content. <laughs> I leave it in there, uh, uh, as week one proved. Um, I, I think I think like I think that Sunday morning process for me is really key. So I think when you spend spend time studying, preferably walking through a passage, you see loads of things going on, and then you're really trying to pray, Lord, what is it in this passage that you have for your people? What's the um, what's the, what's the main implication of this passage for your people that you want us to go away with and think about? about how we preferably apply this to our lives and as a church. So I think like that's what distills it down. So there's lots of stuff in Nehemiah 1 and 2 that you can look at, that you could follow, uh, that you could explore, that's really interesting. I think I think there's lots of stuff, there's lots of historical context stuff that you've come across like, oh, that's really cool. Mm. Uh, I didn't quite know that beforehand. You know, when you think about all the gates in Nehemiah chapter 2 and like you can almost visualize the city and the walls and the gates and you think, oh, that's really cool. And it'd be cool to look at a picture of that or to see a kind of drawing of that and see see what that actually looked like. There's, you know, so there's lots of stuff like that. There's lots of interesting stuff around uh, the opposition that Nehemiah faces, particularly the Ammonites. There's other stuff in there that you can kind of trace back to the Garden and see in Garden of Eden and kind of see oh, how opposition uh, was worked through the, the, the Ammonites. Loads and loads of stuff uh, like that. Um, so I think I think you've you, you kind of constantly kind of go, okay, Lord, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? What do you want to say in the midst of that? I think I think like the prayer of Nehemiah chapter one it, it is so rich and deserves even more time on it. Uh, as you think about it, I think our hope as elders was to really kind of get across the, the shape and the form of the prayer to help us in our own prayer lives, both personally and corporately. I think when you look through all of chapter two and you see those different scenes, you know, there's so much about Nehemiah that you could think about. I think there's some interesting stuff around Nehemiah, just thinking about it through the lens of an employee as a worker. Mm. Um, pro probably something that we didn't look at loads at on Sunday, but you can think about how he's an employee you know, how he's worked faithfully and honorably all the way to find himself in this esteemed position. Uh, maybe not esteemed of lots of influence, but esteemed by proximity yeah. and in the presence of the king and the queen. Uh, I think there's something there about how he honors and respects the position 
of his boss, essentially. Uh, I think there's a sense there in which how he conducts himself for four months. You think about his performance, you know, so the king, the king notices on that one day, four months later, a sadness on his face. Uh, what does that, what does that say about the previous four months? Was Nehemiah not moved? Well, of course he was. He spent four months praying and fasting, but he went, when he went to work and his responsibility, he, he ensured that he carried out his role and his responsibility in a diligent, faithful, honorable way to ensure that he could conduct himself in a particular way to complete the task that the Lord has put him in. I don't think that's very true of today in, in many cases. Yeah. I think there is uh, a dishonoring of position and status in our society. I think lots of people have pops about their bosses, uh, have pops of people in authority. As, as somebody, I got, let's be honest, as a position, he has a position of authority in the church. I, I do feel there is a particular um, critique of people in authority. I think people in authority are easy targets in our culture and day and age. Um, and I've said broadly for pastors across our country, that is very true. And as more generally in terms of uh, many positions of, of employers, if you're in a position of authority today's day and age, you are a target. Yeah, It's easy to criticize, critique uh, and those types of things. But I think on the flip side as an employee, I also see lots of maybe a younger generation coming through who want the, how can I put it, who want the, the position of reputation and the status of how the hard work that goes into it to get there. Um, and so I just think that's very true, but none of those things are recognizable in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is somebody who's worked diligently and faithfully to get to this position. And in that position, even though his heart is burdened, he doesn't allow his circumstances to justify bad performance or justify a pity party um, or to justify not being able to go about his job um, and being honorable to his employer in many ways in that. So I think there's a lot to be said there. You know, everyone in the church to some degree or another works, does something with most of their time, most of the week, um, whether it's paid or not. Um, and like, so there's a lot to be said about our posture and our heart as we approach those tasks that we have been given. I hope that I'm not one of those employees that have been bemoaning my employer. <laughs> um, but it, it is it is fascinating, isn't it? Having a different view of the the workplace, that relationship is is so helpful as a, as a Christian. I, I remember before I, I started uh, being a full time uh, pastor at Cornerstone, uh, I was working for a, a corporate organization, and actually I find some of the most meaningful conversations coming through me sensing, me knowing people well enough in the company and being able to go, Hey, what's up? You okay? Um, and, and having conversations with them and offering to pray for them. Um, and, and actually the, the joy and the vibrancy that comes in those relationships, because you actually are knowing someone. And as, as I read through Nehemiah too, I was struck by that. I think that struck a chord with me. Um, because I see someone who has power, who has authority over an employee, King Artaxerxes, he he notices, he knew Nehemiah to such a degree that he could tell that his heart was troubled and there was there was something wrong. Even though Nehemiah is quick to say, like, I, I didn't come in with sadness. Um, I didn't I didn't show that to the king, uh, but he knew. Um, and I'm just struck by that because, th as you said, that's that's not evident in this day and age. That goes against the grain of culture. We've got two guys here 
part one. We've got two guys, one an unbeliever, one a believer, uh, one an employer, one the employee. And they're asking questions of the hearts. They're asking questions, big heart issues, like what's wrong with you, man? Like, and we just don't do that. But, but yeah, there was a simplicity to it. There was a real simplicity to the question you notice and you ask, but then there's such depth to the conversation as we, as we see in, in chapter two and the, and the outcome of that as well. And as I've read that and been thinking through it and reflecting on sort of my past experiences and, and how I grow in this myself, it's, it's led me to ask like just a number of questions. Like what does it mean for us to know someone well enough that we can actually know and perceive when their hearts are troubled? How do we, how do we get to those real heart matters? And as a guy and I, I know that I am weak at this and I know that other guys that I speak to, they feel weak at this. And, and maybe that's true for women as well. But how do we grow in this? How do we grow in, in knowing people, perceiving people, asking questions like that and, and stepping into that kind of being able to pray for each other and, and lead into action as we've been talking about in this series so far? Well, you're the one studying in biblical counseling in the UK. Like you should be able to reach these well, answers. Maybe, maybe that's why it's on my heart so much. Maybe that's what I'm, I'm gradually growing to learn. Um, and I imagine it could take us a lifetime. We don't have enough time in, a, in this single episode of a podcast to do this. Maybe this is a whole series in the future. Maybe. There's always just one more thing. There is always just one more thing. I think in the text, I don't want to, uh, I want to, I'll answer that question, but I also want to start with, we don't want to deny the sovereignty of God and the providence of God in this moment. So when you look at the text, you can see why this has come at this point. So he hadn't been sad in his presence to this point. We don't know if he looked sad that day or didn't, but to this point he hadn't. But on this day, a little tiny detail that you'll just read over is that the queen was there. So the queen wasn't often in the presence of the king for formal gatherings. So this is clearly a private uh, meal that Nehemiah is brought into, which also shows you the the reason why I think the king notices because Nehemiah would have been in both the formal and the informal, you know, the, the large gatherings and the small gatherings and the intimate gatherings, the, the gatherings with friends and yet the gatherings just with the king and the queen. And so Nehemiah, Nehemiah became a trusted confidant to the king and the queen because of all of those truths, but also in the Lord's providence had been preparing Nehemiah for this time and the time when the queen is there, which I would suggest probably the details there are probably because it makes the king be more favorable to the request of Nehemiah. And so I actually think God's providence, he'd done something at this particular time where Nehemiah then prays that arrow-like prayer to have the courage to be able to, to speak in that. But getting back to the broader question that comes out of the text there, I think what's interesting is that I just... Everything you just said, I think, is described pictorially in the passage for us. So here is somebody who looks a bit down. I wonder if you can all visualize this. Here comes somebody along who notices that they're down and says, why are you so sad? Or literally, I don't think we should say this line, but why is your face bad? That probably wouldn't be the best way to approach somebody. That's literally what it means. And then he says, I'm greatly afraid. He was greatly afraid. I think every one of us knows exactly what it's like to be sad and down, to have somebody that you know and trust and love in your gospel community comes to you and says, why are you so sad? I think most of us are terrified in that moment. 
And so let's just think about that for a minute. What's going on in our hearts in that moment? Well, in our gospel community life, we want to encourage vulnerability, transparency, trust, openness, uh, be able to share our highs or lows and be able to gospel one another to, to in light of those. So here, here's what's happened. We often don't respond. We often respond, I'm okay. Or we'll respond with pray for this, but never actually share how we are. Because I think deep down, we fear rejection. I think deep down, we, 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 we worry what people think about us too much. And so we worry, if I share this detail, if I share how this is, how I really am, how will this person view me? How will this person treat me? How will this person respond to me? Will this person share this with more people? And I know when people come and share stuff with me, they'll often say at the end of the conversation, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. (laughs) It was really good. And I get that because I know my role and responsibility. But across the life of the church, we want to encourage people that when, when you feel burdened or weighty, that actually uh, you're you're able to come and not fear how people will respond to you, but rather trust that they love the Lord, that they love you, and that they are there to serve and care for you and pray for you most importantly. So for example, end of service, Nehemiah 1, we go to Nehemiah, uh, somebody came to me and said, I knew as soon as you walked in that you weren't okay. And so at the end of service, he came to me and he said, how you doing? And I, and I just shared briefly and they were like, let's pray. And like that, that's, that's as simple as it is because one, it shows, Hey, we're looking for, we're looking out for one another. And I know when I'm preaching, I can see in so many people's faces, what's going on in your heart. And I just don't have the resources to get around everyone. And it's just that sense of like, We all come broken and hurting and we just come feeling the burden, being burdened by the world or just life and what's going on. And we want to have a culture where we're asking, but also we have a culture where we're quick to pray for one another and show that our resources for transformation and change are in heaven and not reside within us. We're not here to counsel one another particularly. We're not here to, uh, you know, um, allow people to remain in in an unhelpful place. Uh, we're not there to go, oh yeah, me too. I feel really annoyed at my boss too. And yeah, and you, you should, my neighbor's awful as well. And it's not about that. It's about agreeing with the brokenness of this world and turning to the one who can actually change things. And we, and we do that by prayer. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really helpful because in a, in a recent moment of, of my life, I, I felt that, that burden, that weight, that, that real difficulty of a hard time and people noticing and so on Sunday for me, a couple of guys came in and like asked me how I'm doing, knowing that I'm going through a season of, of difficulty. And they, they asked me like, how are you, man? And my, my face looked sad and that was okay. And they prayed with me and that was great. That's what I needed in that moment. There was nothing physically that they could do. There was nothing active that they could do in that moment other than pray and talk and be present. And that is, that is so helpful. And like, guys, I, I was literally weeping. I couldn't speak. I couldn't sing on Sunday. Um, I think I'd been holding stuff together for so long. Um, and the, the, the preach on that first week, particularly just, just wonderfully helped my soul. And I know that it helps others as well. 
and others have, have gone through that experience as well. And so I rejoice whenever I see brothers and sisters coming alongside one another, just putting their arm around each other and praying for one another. And the fact that, that we are called the priesthood of all believers, we are, we are to be ministering to one another. It's not just a go to the pastor or, or go to your gospel community leader. It is every single one of us can do this because we're on our knees to speak into God. And uh, we're not trying to solve the, the issues. We're not trying to um, be the answer to the problem. We're bringing it to our heavenly father who cares and who calls us to carry all, all of those burdens to him and he will lift them off us. Yeah, so this, this thing with the gospel in light of Nehemiah too, when Nehemiah comes before the king and the king says, why is your face sad? Nehemiah could get fired for having a sad face. Nehemiah would throw the king off if he looked different in his disposition because the king would suspect something's up. Mm. Is somebody attempting to kill him, poison his food, just drink. So, so, so it wasn't just that it was a close confidant that somebody he trusted. It's, it's actually, it was Nehemiah's job to have a neutral disposition. Yeah. But and when Nehemiah is asked, why is your face sad? Nehemiah is feeling, oh no, he's noticed something. I'm supposed to be neutral and all this type of stuff. And he, and he trembles and he prays. How much better in the good news of Jesus that we get to come to the king of the universe with sad faces sometimes, happy faces at other times, maybe neutral. And we don't have to tremble in his presence. He doesn't throw us out or cast us out because we bring problems he doesn't cast us out because we bring weariness and burdens he doesn't cast us out because we look sad rather he welcomes us in embraces us and tells us to give us uh, to give him our burdens and he will carry them and he has dealt with them on the cross and he will finally deal with them when he comes again and so we can run into the presence of our heavenly father through the work of jesus christ and we can we can laugh we can cry we can mourn we can grieve because he knows and we have a savior who suffered in every way. He was rejected uh, by, by, uh, by all. Mm. And so we have a heavenly father we can run to through the work of Jesus, empowered by the spirit. And we get to do that for one another. Yeah. And so that, what you described is for me is some of the sweetest moments on a Sunday is, is what happens after. You yeah. see people just broken off into pairs, freeze, sharing, praying for one another. And guys, I want to encourage you to keep doing that, please. Just turn around and praying for each other. Uh, right where we are and what we need and uh, and in that we we actually show something distinct to the world we, sh we show to the world that we're not as you said the answer to everyone's problems but rather we know the one who is and we have the privilege for jesus to run into his uh, into his presence uh, and to know that we will not be cast out or we have to fear his response but rather he welcomes us and embraces us and he's the god of all comforts 2 corinthians 1 he's the father who comforts and that's such good news. Yeah. Which means that we can comfort those who need it Yeah, uh, because he has comforted us. Uh, what a good word. What a good word. Isn't it in the sense when you think about our cultures and Sundays and gospel communities, whatever, often we, if we continue to view our gatherings as what do I get out of them, we will miss the joy of the opportunity to serve one another. If we think that I only need to receive because I'm in a difficult season we miss the reality that when we're maybe feeling okay or in, in you know, feeling a bit of a sweet spot that we're in that position to be able to care for those who are hurting in that moment. And also to realize that even when we're hurting, it doesn't negate the reality that we can still help others. In our difficult seasons, we get to come alongside and share with together and to encourage one another up. N nobody is the exception, exception to the rule. Nobody's outside of 
that we all have the resources of the Holy Spirit and his word to be able to build one another up, which is beautiful. Yeah. What, what about you guys, those listening? Have you ever found yourself in those situations? Have you found maybe yourself growing in those and you've got a story of an encouragement, uh, how that's been working in your life? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you just, you don't know what to do in order to reach out to others, uh, to help others or or to even reach out for help and, and share some of those um, hard things that you're going through in your life and you want to grow in this. Why don't you share with us some of your story or ask any of the questions that you have. Send us an email to chris at cornerstonechurchworld.org and we, we would love to be able to respond to that and to help you in that. I want to just highlight a book that I found really helpful in some of these topics. Uh, it's a book called Side by Side, uh, Walking with Others in Wisdom and Love. It's by um, a, a guy called Ed Welch and it's published by Crossway. Uh, but our friends at 10 of those uh, have usually got it an offer. It's the best place to get it. Uh, so if you want to get that book, either speak to Josh and I, we might have a, an extra copy lying around or, or head to 10ofthose.com. But uh, Ed Welch is, is uh, actually one of the lecturers on my biblical counseling course, uh, which I've been really enjoying hearing him as he lectures. Uh, but I've been enjoying his book even more because he loves telling stories, uh, which is how he kind of teaches as well. But he, he tells stories of, of real life examples. Uh, where he walks with others and uh, and they're just normal everyday moments. Uh, recently, even one of my tutors on the course let it slip that instead of doing the course, she encourages people to read the book because it's almost like a condensed version of the whole course into one really accessible book. We read it recently as a gospel community and find it so helpful for us to consider how we walk alongside one another uh, when we're struggling or when they're struggling and how to particularly be asking for prayer. Uh, one of the, one of the things I've, I've come to realize recently is often we, we ask for prayer, like a list of things, a list of supplications. Um, could you pray for my dog? Could you pray for my aunt? Could you pray for this? Could you pray for that? Uh, but one of the things that I've been challenged by and seeking to work on is, is asking for prayer and asking for what God would speak into the midst of the circumstance. Um, so that was one of the things that was highlighted in the book to me. It was really useful, really simple, but also teaches us just some helpful hints as to how to pray for one another in troubling times. It's so good. If you haven't read it yet, or if you haven't got it on your book, uh, Kiss, get yourself a copy. It's perhaps easier to think about how we grow in prayer on a personal level. It's easier to think about how we translate prayer into action on a personal level, or even a friend to a friend, a one-on-one -on -one scenario. But as God's people, that corporate entity, how do we grow in that vibrant corporate prayer life as a gathered church or, or even as a gospel community where we're not just focusing on the individual supplications, but we're actually filled with compassion like Nehemiah has been uh, for the things that God calls us to. What's your thoughts on that? How do we grow in that, Josh? I think like it's it's important not to separate the two. Uh, it's important not to, not to see that our lives are made up of this personal part over here. And then I have this part where I'm a member of this church body over here that actually you can't disconnect it to you. Actually they overlap. So I would say what we experience in the corporate gatherings on Sundays or gospel communities will be the overflow of what's going on personally and individually. And that's really challenging. So if we are, um, spiritually passive or apathetic in our weeks, we can't expect to turn up on a Sunday and experience God's people and God's word and God's ways 
in a way um, that maybe it would have been. So we have to see that actually what what, what we are like in the corporate gathering is will be a reflection of what we're like in the private. And that's really challenging, isn't it? Um, so for example, if we arrive um, in a Sunday gathering and we just don't feel like it, or we don't like feel like the worship you know, meets our needs in that day, we, we got to reflect like, well, where's your heart at? It's not about the accompaniment or the arrangement or the songs that we're singing. It's about where's our heart of worship uh, that comes before the Lord. If we're struggling to pray uh, individually, we'll, we'll find it hard to pray corporately. We really understand that, you know, when we come to pray corporately, it, it can be harder, unusual or different or something you've not experienced before to pray with other people out loud. So we understand there's some uh, personal um, obstacles and hurdles that you might feel you need to overcome. Uh, but I think praying out loud corporately with other brothers and sisters is one of the means that means of grace that God gives the church to build one another, to encourage one another, to hear others praying with you and for you uh, and praying for the church in that sense. So, so I think there's that there's that level there of we have to overcome and navigate some of our own internal um, struggles, perhaps when we come to pray corporately. But then more so about that as a church, we really want to this in this season step into what it means to pray corporately together for the corporate events of the church, for the activities of the church, what the what the Lord is leading us into. So through our prayer gatherings this year, uh, we're we're, we're going to sit at that level. We're going to sit at that kind of like corporate. Um, uh, a body of God's people and praying into things over the future of the church. So we want each member to come alongside us as elders. We just want to share our hearts about what the Lord has put there, what he's burdened us with and for, what are some of the directions or trajectories that we think the Lord is leading us in and to share that openly, to have a conversation about that, but more so to, to allow those to fuel our prayers and seek the Lord's direction and wisdom and guidance on. So, I, I want to fight for, because my experience growing up was not this. I want to fight for a culture that God's people are rushing to the prayer gathering of the members of the church just as much as they rush to a Sunday morning um, or a gospel community gathering that that I really, I really don't want to see a big lag uh, across the life of the church but of, a, of a disparity um, between a Sunday morning gathering and a members prayer gathering. I want to see that enthusiasm. I want to see it come, but I know that's not going to come through us creating an excitement about it or whatever. It's going to come because our hearts are attuned to worship the Lord in prayer uh, and that we were unified together as a, as a people. And that's why I started with what we are in private will often reveal itself in the, in the corporate. Um, and, and so I think that's really important to acknowledge that. But if we are in a particular place where what we experience and are like in the corporate is a reflection of maybe a spiritual difficulty right now, then we invite you to come and talk about it and share it and just pray about it. Let's help you and that. We're here to walk all side by side with one another to to do that together. Um, that's why we're here. Um, we don't want anybody to come and put a front up and be something in the public that's not true of them in the private. We want to create a, we don't want to create a disconnect. Um, and so those prayer gatherings are a wonderful place to be and just spend time seeking the Lord's face, asking for a spirit to lead and guide us, asking for wisdom and direction. Uh, I'm really excited for those and to see how the Lord speaks through them powerfully this year, how he shapes us in light of it, to hear one another praying for those things and contributing, participating in shaping the vision and mission of, of the church for us here on Moral. Uh, and yeah, so that's, I think that's going to be a real highlight for us this year as members. 
uh, as we do more of that and get, might feel different, uh, but I think it's really integral to us to be a praying church. That's brilliant. It's okay to not be okay, but come and share that with someone. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. Yeah. You don't have to stay there. The, the, the Lord is there, but also your brothers and sisters in Christ are there to, to point you to him and to be carrying your burdens, uh, alongside you and praying for you in that. Well, that's just one more thing for this week. We hope that you find this useful. It's been so encouraging reading your responses to the recent episodes. So do keep on sharing them with us. It keeps us fueled to carry on. And if you've enjoyed this episode, why not go on and subscribe on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts? And why not tell us what you really think with a rating and a review? That'll help us just make sure that it, it it's kept high in Apple Podcasts and Spotify so as people of our church can find it as well as other people who might find it useful. But we'll catch you soon for just one more thing.